0: so we are in a series um, that I just think, I hope, is very encouraging for all of us. See, last series we kind of dealt with some things that were a little more difficult, right? We kind of dealt with this concept, this reality of temptation and how do we have triumph over temptation. And the heart of this series is how can we, how can we like give us all these tools and some wisdom to kind of live our life by so we don't make the bad decisions, so we have less regrets and more rewards, and so we end up being everything that God kind of created us to be. And the heart was, hey, let me teach you things to do to help you not fail. Now we're actually shifted over to a series that talks about, okay, what happens when you blow it? Like what happens when you did what you shouldn't do and you didn't listen to the message series and you didn't apply those principles, right? And you you went in your life and you found yourself and you go, yeah, I screwed up. I did it. Like I messed up. And so the heart of this series is how do you get back up? How do you make sure, and here's the heart of this series, really simple, right? How do you make sure that this failure or this falling is simply a temporary detour and it does not become your destination? How do we make sure that this temporary failing in your life or this failure does not identify or become your identity in your life? It is simply a blip on the radar. It's simply a moment that you get back on course and get back up. Because one of the most amazing things about your faith and I know sometimes in religious circles it's hard to, to feel this and experience this, but one of the most amazing things about your faith is this ability that God has given all of us that even when we mess up, even when we fail, that God is always there to pick us back up. In fact, I love this verse. It's such a powerful verse. Listen to this. Here, here's God speaking to you and me. Right? He says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Right? So he's like, I, I love the relationship. Hey, you're like my kids. Like my kids right there, right? And, and I go, hey, I don't want you to make the wrong decision. I don't want you to do something. I don't want you to have the consequence, right? I don't want you to give into that temptation. But I love what he says next. But, <laughs> but I know you, so you're going to do this, right? He says, but if anyone does sin, here's what's so cool. You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. Christ. Now what is an advocate? I love this word. An advocate is like a defender. It's someone who looks out for your interest. And so the idea is that even when you're guilty and you've done something wrong, you're assigned this advocate, even legally in our court system we have these for minors. And the idea is, yeah they robbed the bank. Yeah, they got kicked out of school. But your job as their advocate is not to punish them or discipline them. What is it to do? It's to make sure they get their life right. Like your main goal and the main focus of an advocate is to step into your life and go, I know you failed. I know you messed up, but I'm here for you, to help you, to help you overcome. And I love what he's saying. Hey, I I don't want you to mess up. I don't want you to fail, but I know you. And when you do fail, the good news is you've got Jesus who is an advocate for you. He is there to pick you back up. But not only that, listen to this. He says he's the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so what what God is helping us understand, that Jesus not only paid the price for your sins so you don't have to, you don't have to stay, if you will, in the pit. He's also got this role, his focus in his heart is actually pick you up so you don't remain there. Because the reality is, and I wish it wasn't true, but the reality is we're all human beings, and we're going to drift from time to time, and we're going to make decisions that aren't great from time to time. And what's so cool about God is God is there to make sure. God is your father going, hey, you did that. But I want to step into your life, and not only will I pay for it, but I want to pick you up. In fact, Pastor Josh shared this last week, and I love this verse. Um, And here's the verse that he says, the godly man may trip seven times, but they will get up again right so, so you listen you could still love God and, and be an amazing person and still make some mistakes or even failures right but one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked and here's what I want you to see what has a greater impact than uh, on the future and your destination and who you become in your life is not your failure it's how you respond to your failure Like, I want you to get this. Why? Because there's some people here that are coming in here, and you've made some mistakes. You've made some bad choices. And maybe in your life, you're dealing with some of those consequences. But what I want you to understand, and what you're going to learn today, it is not that choice that will define you. It is not that season that will define you. But it's how you choose to respond to that season. And so what we're going to walk about today is this. We're going to look at two things. Two things in your life that you've got to do when you fail to make sure that failure doesn't become your identity, who you are, and to make sure that failure does not determine your destination. It is simply a temporary speed bump on the way to who God has called you to be and where God has called you to be, because this is what God's grace is. This is what Jesus died on the cross for, so that we would never have to be sitting there in our life, defined by our worst moments or season, nor will we ever have to be our destiny determined by that one singular season or Decision. so we're going to look at two things that you need to do and all of us need to do this no matter how far you fail or how often you fail or what you've done in your life to kind of get back up onto the path that God has for you now in order to do that um is a my favorite area of scripture. I'll probably teach on it more uh, than any other area in all, all the Bible. We've been a part of journey. And the reason is there is so much revelation in it. I've probably studied it a thousand times. And every time I read it, God can actually reveal a different aspect of his grace, a, a different aspect of our lives that is so important. Because one moment, um, Jesus found himself talking with a group of people, listen to this, who have failed, who have fallen, who have chosen bad decisions in their life, and yet chose to stay in their sin. They chose to be defined by their sin, and listen to this, and their sin literally determined their destiny in their life. So I want you to get the context of this conversation, that Jesus is walking through a group of people, and he's looking at them, and he's seeing, hey, they recognize I messed up. I made that decision, and so because of that, I'm staying away from God, and I'm literally, listen to this, defined by that season, defined by that failure. Look at the description of the people that Jesus has a conversation with. It says, now the tax collectors, which, by the way, were thieves. They were people that worked for the Roman government that would tax the Jewish people. They would compromise. They would steal. They would lie, collect more money because the Roman government didn't care. And they were wealthy on the back of corruption. And sinners, people that didn't follow all of God's laws, were all gathering around to hear Jesus. So listen to this. So they were interested in God and yet they were still staying in their sin. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So what what do we get this context? We get the context of Jesus seeing a group of people that were interested in God, that wanted to get their life back but in the same way, found themselves remaining in their sin and their lifestyle, separated from God. And there they were, defined by their failure. Listen to this. And their failure was determining their destiny. This is what's so amazing. And so Jesus, in his grace and his love, goes to these people that feel like God's rejected them, there's no hope for them. Look at what they've done. And he tells them a story. Actually, he tells them three stories. And he tells them a story to teach them about God's desire to rescue them out, to, that they were, did not have to stay here, that they had this ability in their life to return to God, return to his favor, return to his blessing. And so he told a story about lost sheep. And then he told a story about a lost coin. And after each one them, he goes, hey, there's a celebration at the end when they're returned with the owner. And he goes, this is what God thinks about you. This is what God feels about you. If you'll come back to him, and I think their minds are being blown. And then he ends the story with the most probably famous story in the Bible, my favorite story in the Bible. We know it as the story of the prodigal son. Because he tells a story, listen to this, remember the concept, to people that have fallen, they failed, they messed up, and they're staying in their sin, they're defined by it. And so Jesus goes, let me tell you about the life you can have. Let me tell you, despite what you've done, where you can be. And I'm going to do this by simply sharing a story about a young man who chooses his sin over his relationship with his father and then stays in that sin for a season. And then at the end, Jesus teaches them. Listen to this. And what you'll learn in the story today is the two things that you need to do, right? Because it's not just about a prodigal son. This is not just the story we all have heard. Don't think about that. But I want you to learn two habits in your life that when you mess up, you need to apply to once again, to return to the father. And so we pick up the story in Luke 15. Here we go. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he defied his, his property between him. Dad, I wish you were dead, and I want all the money that is me right now. And we continue. Well, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. He made all kinds of giving into temptation, and he blew all of his parents' money in order to do it. After he had spent everything there was, a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a a citizen of that country who sent him to to the fields to feed his pigs. So what do we, we get this picture. I want you to see this. This person has made decisions and when he got broken and he realized he was wrong, what did he do? Instead of returning to the father, what did he do? He hired himself out. he stayed in his lifestyle. This is important. I want you to see this. In other words, what happened is, hey, I messed up. I've just lost everything. So what do I do? Go back to my dad? No, 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 no. I'm going to stay in my lifestyle. I'm going to stay holding on to the sin. I'm not ready to let go of it yet. So instead, I'm going to hire myself out to the same culture. I'm going to stay in my sin. I'm going to stay in the choices that I've made. I'm still going to choose my sin over my relationship with my father. That's just so important to understand. Because what is Jesus telling these people? He's saying, this is you is right now you're staying in the very things that you chose your sin and your lifestyle over your father, God. And now you're still choosing that just like this young man did. And then I love what Jesus does next because he shifts it. And all of a sudden he moves to that point and he goes, Hey, listen, he stayed there feeding pigs. He lived in it. Even when he messed up, he still didn't return to his father, but notice what happens next. But then he came to his senses. In other words, then he began to understand something about life, and his dad, and himself, and who he was as a son. He began to understand the right thing, make the right choice. And he goes, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. And I will set out to go back to my father, who returned to him. And I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up, and he went to his father. Now, if you haven't read the rest of the story, you need to read the rest of the story, because it is amazing. Because as Jesus tells the, the, this young man about the story to these group of people that have stayed away from God and chosen to remain in their sin rather than return to God. He tells the story about the son who comes back all covered in dirt and shame and done everything wrong. And while there's a long way off, his father sees him. His father runs to him, embraces him, loves him, tells him, he tells him all about his love and affection, throws a massive party and celebration. He kills the fatted cast. He dances, puts a ring on his finger, accepts him back as a son, not as a sl- he forgives everything that he's done and he returns him to the destiny in his heart that the father always wanted. He protects him and he cares for them. And all of a sudden, this son goes from this pit to this party with his father. Now, once again, here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. It's so, so important to understand with this. And, and this is what I want you to understand. So, what was it that separated the son, right, the prodigal son from the father? Now, now, what is it that separated them? What was it? That, what was it that was keeping? If Jesus said, "I already paid for the sin," right? Like, I, I'm your atoning sacrifice. I've already paid. So what was it in the story that made this young man stay in the pit away from his father's love? In order to do that, I, I want to kind of um, set an example to help you kind of understand um, what what this kind of looks like. I'm just kind of say this for a moment, okay? So in this story, what you have is you have Jesus, or you have God, okay? Sorry, it was the best I could find on Amazon. There you go, all right? So this isn't an actual replication of Jesus, just so you know, but it is—there yeah, you go, okay? So— But hear this for a moment, okay, because I want us to see this. This is so important for you and me when it comes to what do we need to learn when we mess up, okay? So in the story, just so we know, God, his Father, is not just somebody spiritual, is he? No, what does it mean to be with the father? It means he gets a party, right? That's popcorn, Christmas decorations, last minute idea. There you go, here you go. Best I can do with it, right? Right, he gets a party. He gets the fatted calf. That's a Minecraft for my son. Thank you very much for that right there. It's a cow, just so you know. It's a grade A, Wagyu beef right there, Wagyu beef, right? He gets love, love. It's a heart, I'm decorating for Christmas right now, just so you know. Um, there we go this is a heart right so I want you to kind of get a glimpse so when we're talking about God we're not just talking about somebody spiritual right we're talking about that provision we're talking about listen this is protection Um, this is a true story I found this this morning Um, this is a nerf bullet that my sons decided to put a tack on the end and then shoot their father (laughs) yep you know it right now you're guilty that's the one right there the oldest one Okay, mom is on a mission trip in Ecuador right now. And when mom's away, the boys become savages. And I'm like, they shot me. I'm like, what's that pain? And it's staying in me. And I was like, what is it? And he shot me with a Nerf bullet with an attack on it. Okay. And then my younger son decided to take 20 of them and put them in our ceiling 30 feet high at the entranceway. And they're all stuck there when my wife comes home. She's going to be very happy. Thank you, boys. Okay. So I say all this for this reason, right? And please hear this, we have this idea of return to God, return to God, return to God, and it centers around just something spiritual. But, but in the context of the story, the father is not just something spiritual. What is he? He is protection. He is provision. He is wealth. He is, oh, uh, there's a dime, which doesn't do a lot today, but that's all I had changed. There you go. All right, He's all of these things. So in other words, to return to God, man, I'm going to return to your protection, return to your affection, return to the party, return to the, like, the, the fatted calf, return to your prosperity. It's all of these things, right? So it's not just something spiritual, although it's also spiritual. What is the fruit of a relationship with God? Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. It's the kingdom of God. God's rule and reign in you. So we understand the story. What Jesus is saying to the guys is, "Hey, if you return to the Father, this is what awaits you in His kingdom. He will protect you, provide for you, love you. You'll experience His affection, His protection, His provision, His love. The love, the joy, the peace, and the patience, and the kindness. Now, so with this being said, we also have what a prodigal son in the story, right? Who has chosen to leave his father and make bad decisions. So now there is a distance between the party and he's in the pit. And so I chose the only other doll that I had to represent the prodigal son who made a bad decision and deflated his life. Here we go. Now any resemblance to a football player is purely coincidental. Um, Could be any human being we don't really know. But this Human being right here, because when you have two boys, you don't have a lot of dolls to put things together with, and you just go with what you got. All right, here we go, right? So here's the question that I want us to process today that's so important. Why is there a distance between the pit that this person's in and the party that God wants them to experience? And here's what most of you think. Well, it's simple. It's just his just sin. But, but, but it's not his sin, and here's why I want you to see it. Because Jesus already paid for that sin, didn't he? What, what did he already say? Hey, I'm your atoning sacrifice. So here's what I want us to understand. This is so important as we walk through this, this, this whole idea of this distance. First of all, this is, is, first of all, we need to understand something. Sometimes we hear the story of the prodigal son, and what we think to ourselves is, man, that's for that homeless person who's battling addiction on the street. But because I'm not in a pen feeding pigs, squandering over my life, and I'm not really, a well, first of all, the word prodigal, just, just, for, just for you know, um, it literally means lacking restraint. That's all it means, lacking restraint. I think all of us, time to time, lack restraint. But here's the thing I want you to understand what was the context of the people that Jesus was telling this story to? Because they weren't living in a pit, they were actually wealthy businessmen. They were tax collectors, which means what? They were very rich and they were successful when the world's eyes, but here's what you discover what did they do? What, why were they a prodigal? Why were they from God? Well, they, they had compromised in their own business in order to get success. See what I'm saying? So not just in a pit, Jesus will tell extreme things and sometimes in stories let us know that everyone, no matter what you've done, has experienced grace, but the actual people he is talking to are not in a pit. No, they're wealthy businessmen that have compromised in their life in order to get success. They are people that probably aren't honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy. They are people that aren't tithing the 10% to the church because they weren't even going to the church. They were people that, once again, weren't honoring God with their bodies. We can tell from the story, probably something in a sexual way. Now, here's why I say this. It's because these people are not simply these people living in a pit. These are people that have chosen their lifestyle, chosen their sin over their relationship with their father. Listen to this. In many ways, listen to this. Aren't we all prodigals? Like, aren't we all from time to time make those decisions where God gives us a command and we go, I'm gonna choose my way over his way. Let's just be real. Like, think about this. This will get most of us, right? Like, what's the number one commandment that God gave, the first commandment God gave the Jewish people? It's to put God first above everyone else and everything else. No, nothing else before me is what God says, right? And then Jesus comes on the scene and he, he actually takes the same message, right? Because he's just teaching that Old Testament. He's te- but he words it differently and he goes, no, here's what you need to do. You need to seek first in your life God's kingdom, his rule and reign, right, both internally and externally, and what, his righteousness, following and honoring the word and the ways of God. And then he says at the end of that, and he connects the dots, he goes, hey, and everything the world's chasing after or looking for, if you will seek me first, if you will, if you will revolve your life around my kingdom, which means you don't try to schedule, listen, can I fit youth group into my kid's sports schedule? So, so to put God's kingdom first, would be, hey, I'm going to see if I can fit sports into my kid's kingdom schedule. Do you see the difference? Hey, hey, when it comes to my life, it's not, hey, I'm really busy right now and I'm distracted from the kingdom being first because my company's going through a lot and I, need, I, I don't have time for God. I don't have time for a Sabbath. See the principle? What I want us to understand is that it's not just the people in the pit that walk away from God that the decision and the choices that we make in our life to go, God, you've you've told me this is what is first and what I should live my life, but what I'm choosing is my priorities and my values or my decisions or my desires over you. That is the prodigal, that is lacking restraint in your life. And so I want us to begin to understand, not just from a story of some guy in a pig pen, but you and me, the question I want to ask us, so what is keeping us from the kingdom of God? Like, if Jesus has already forgiven us, he's already died, so what is it that's keeping us in the pit from the party? What is it that's not allowing us to experience the kingdom of God ruling in us? The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness. What is it that's separating us from God doing what we to do in your marriage and your finances? What, what is it? And here's why I say this, because so often what we think is it's just sin. But I'm gonna tell you something, it's not simply sin. And there are two things I want you to see um, that keeps us away from what God has for us. And there are two things we need to do to kind of bridge that gap, and if you will, return to the party. And here's the first one I want you to see, and it's this. It's simply repent of your sin. So, you see, what I want you to understand this is so it's just important, right? It's not your sin, you're gonna see this, it's the lack of repentance of your sin. Now, well, what is repentance? Just, just so kind of know, we, this word is used over a thousand times in the Bible. It's kind of a big deal. Um, in, in the Greek, it's metanoia. It means to change your mind. What does it mean? God, I had this value. I perceived what was right. But now I'm surrendering my understanding to yours and your will, right? So I realized what I've done is wrong. This is the kind of repentance a lot of us understand. But, but from a Jewish context, it didn't mean that. It actually meant the word teshuva, which is this. It means to change direction or to return. See, the key to this is understanding that repentance isn't feeling sorry, See, repentance is actually going, I'm I'm sorry, I I admit I'm wrong, and now I'm going to release what I held on to, and I'm going to return to the father. What's the story of the prodigal son? He returned. He leaves behind the lifestyle that he once chose. He chose sin over his father, then he chooses his father over his sin. This is powerful and important to Understand. That to repent does not mean I was wrong and I'm sorry. It means I was wrong and I'm sorry. And now I'm going to release this and I'm going to return to God. In fact, look at this in the scriptures. You see this all throughout. This is the understanding over a thousand times in the Bible. God's saying this. And listen to this. So Paul's writing a letter to a group of Christians, by the way, who have made bad decisions in their life. They've fallen. Notice what he talks about repentance. He goes, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I don't regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you. Like, I'm sorry you feel bad, but not really. Here's why. Because only for a little while. Yet now I'm really happy. Why am I happy? Not because you feel sad, no. Not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. See, there's an emotion and an action to repentance. Like, godly repentance is not just feeling sorry. There's an action of releasing it. For you became sorrowful as God intended. By the way, this is God's heart for you not to condemn you for your past, but to give you some conviction. Here's why. Listen to this. So that we were not harmed in any way. To protect you from missing out on the party. And I love how he ends it. For godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regrets. Do you see the separation? Do you see what God's saying is, hey, when I'm talking about repentance, I just want you to understand what I'm saying. What I'm saying is what's keeping you from, your, from, from the party with God, from the kingdom of God in you, and God's purposes for your life. It's not your past sin Jesus actually dealt with this. it's your unrepentant sin it's a sin you either haven't changed your mind and acknowledged it's wrong or you haven't released it and let go in fact did you guys know that this is one of the central messages of Jesus listen to this from that time on this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry what is he saying from the beginning of his ministry to the end of it what was the message of Jesus Jesus began to preach what's that word say it out loud for me everybody Boy, say it out loud go ahead sir, repent repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. What is he saying? Hey, listen, the party awaits you. My provision, my protection, my love, my affection, all of it. But in order for you to experience it, hear this out, you're gonna have to leave behind this lifestyle, return to me. In other words, this is so important. The only thing keeping you from God's redeeming your life, your identity, your future, is not what you've done in the past. It's your decision to go, will I release it or not? Because what I wanted you to understand in the story, as long as this young man stayed in the pit, hiring himself out, staying in the lifestyle, did he experience the party of the Father? Did he experience his love and affection? Let me ask you. No, what do you? I'm starving. I'm looking for food and pigs. I'm sitting in the midst of filth. And as long as he chose his sin over his father, then he would experience simply that, and he would miss out on his love for his father. Now, here's something really important. Okay, does that mean his father didn't love him? See, this is what we miss in religion. This is what those people, part of what they missed why they stay away from God, is their assumption was, well, because I'm here and God's here, then, then he doesn't love someone like me in this position. That's exactly what they felt. And here's what I want you to understand something. Think about this. Um, but when the story is told and we see this man who returns to his father, here's what I want you to see about it. I want you to look at this. Notice what happens. So he got up and went to his father, did his father love him? But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. What does that mean? His father was looking for him, wanting him to return. Um, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. That's the deepest seat of emotion for, for a, in a Hebraic mindset, right? So he was filled with this love and affection towards his son. And he ran to his son, he threw his arm around him and he kissed him. So here's my question. Did the father love him when he was in the pit? Did he experience his love? This is what I want you to understand about sin. See, I, I love my boys. I love them just to the, to the moon and back a thousand times. I just love them. I, I devote my life to them. I spend so much time uh, with them. I do all these things for them. Um, I, I pray for them. I, I, I sit there and plan out how I can help them be successful in life and be good husbands and fathers and men and, and connect with God. And we just, like, I, I devote my life and I love and I protect them. I do. Sometimes it drives them crazy, but I lock the door every single night. I don't want to need all the candy, although I did see all the wrappers, by the way, this morning when I looked at my refrigerator, just so you know. All right, I I, I, I spend my life, listen to this, and because they're in my presence, they're experiencing my protection and provision and all this, but here's the point. What what if they decided to go, we don't want to listen to our dad anymore, and we're not going to do what he tells us to do, we're not going to stay in the house. We're going to kind of do, we're not we're going to ignore everything he says. What would happen to them? Would they start to feel pain in their lives? Would they make bad decisions and lead up, lead themselves to a pit? But here, here's the thing I want you to see. What if they ran away? And what if here I am and I'm this dad that loves them and I'm, and I'm in anguish and I'm probably weeping and crying and praying to God, return them, return them, return them. But as long as they chose to go, I'm, I'm staying away. Can I protect them? Will they experience my blessing? Will they eat from my table? Will they get their inheritance? Will they have all of the stuff that daddy wants to give them in their life? No, but here's the point. Have they ever left my love? No, but they're not going to experience the love. And see, the story of the prodigal son that is so heartbreaking is what Jesus is saying is, hey, they're sitting here choosing their sin, their lifestyle over their relationship with their father. And, and, and as long as they do that, this father's affection is for them. He loves them. He cares for them. But he's staying in a pig slop. He's not experiencing it. Here's why I say this, guys. Listen to this. Please hear me. It's the same true in your life. Is is it when we find ourselves in our life going, God, you know what, I'm I'm not going to forgive that person. And and God's like, you don't understand. What awaits you is the kingdom. It's the love, the joy, the peace, and the patience. But you won't surrender this to me. You've stepped away. You've, You've run away from the Father that loves you. And now what's happened is that unforgiveness, that sin in your heart is just beginning to eat you alive. And it's robbing you of what the kingdom of God within you. God, God saying, hey, I want you to honor me with your first fruits, your first tithe. Give it, your first 10% and comes to my house. This is the way I built it. I'll bless you. But you can to go, know God, I, 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 I want to do money my way. I, 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 don't, I don't trust you. I don't want, I want me to lead and be in charge of what I have. And God's like, I love you, but you know what happens right now? I, you're not going to experience my favor and blessing because you won't release that to me. You're still holding on to these things in your life. And here's what I want to say to you. Some of you are holding on to some sin in your life and, and, and it isn't costing you the love of God, but it is costing you experiencing that love. And one of the most beautiful things about our faith, hear this, hear this. One of the most beautiful things in the faith that Jesus is telling these people and he's speaking to us is, the only barrier between you and the party and the redemption and the new future is not you paying penance for your sin. It's not It's not go ahead and, and hail Mary's. It's not writing a check to the church. What it is is going, God, I'm gonna release what I held on to. I'm gonna choose you and my relationship with you over the sin and I'm gonna release it and I'm gonna return home home that's the only barrier like I love this because what that means no matter what you've done or where you've gone from or how far away you are from the Lord no matter how many things in your life where you look at yourself and you beat yourself up wish I hadn't done it what's so amazing is the only barrier because of what Jesus did on the cross the only barrier between you God is not your past sin it's your decision will I release it and will I return home and this is what Jesus was telling those stories to those men This is what Jesus wanted people to understand. For those people that are compromised at work and didn't put the kingdom first, for those people that had kind of been defined by their sin and and their their sin has determined their destiny, they're staying in this moment, is what Jesus was saying is, hey, I'm your advocate and, and I'm your sacrifice. And so here's what I want you to know. All you've got to do is make the choice. Will you release it? Will you just let go of that sin? And will you come to me? And by the way, listen to this. It doesn't mean, repentance doesn't mean perfection. This is the whole theme, right? A righteous man falls down how many times? Seven, Right? So the idea is this: continue. So the idea isn't, hey, you get your life right first and you come to God. No, it's your recognition that I was wrong. God, I'm gonna release this to you. I might pick it up again, but I'm gonna keep on releasing it. I might pick it up. And re- like, I remember when I got my life right with the Lord and I was like, God, I, I, I repented. I wanted to run home. It was this story in the Bible that caused me to release all the things I was holding and run to God. But guess what I did? I wasn't perfect. But you know what I never stopped doing? Stop getting back up. I never stop surrendering. Okay, God, listen, I messed up, but I'm not gonna accept this. Like, this is what we do a lot of times. This is who I am. It's how I was born. This is just my life. I'm gonna hold on to it. And I love what God's saying is, hey, what, what repentance is, is not perfection, but it's a willingness and acknowledgement. This is wrong. I don't want this anymore. I'm choosing you over my sin. And you know what? If I fail seven times, I'm gonna keep on surrendering until one day I've released it completely. And once again, I'm experiencing this. And this is my heart for you. In fact i love this verse in scripture some people that had struggled with letting go of things and they finally realized they were wrong but what do i do with my life it's a mess and god what do you want to do and i love at the end of it what is said the bible tells us to repent to change your mind change your direction to release it and return to god and then turn to god so what so your sins may be wiped out and at times of say that word out loud for me what refreshing may come from the lord not judgment refreshment. Do you know that the only thing keeping you from the party is your willingness to go, I was wrong, God. And here it is, my schedule. Here's my resource. Here's that relationship. Here's my sexuality. Here here it is. I'm going to give it to you, God. And when Jesus says at that moment, what happens? The Father embraces you and hugs you, throws a party for you and celebrates this and this, and you're no longer defined by your past. You're no longer identified by your past. You're a brand new creation with a brand new destiny. And only thinking way is repentance. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, that's the first thing I want to challenge you. Right? Some of you are holding on things. I just tell you something, it's not worth it. There's nothing in this world that is worth being here when you can be here. Especially when Jesus already paid for it. Now, here's the second one for the second time, and that's this. This is another big one. That's this: is we need to accept God's grace. And hear hear me me on this. So, so, um, one of the things we learn from the story is that part of the reason why the prodigal son stayed there, and why these people that he's talking to stay there, is they actually chose their sin over their relationship with God. They did. That's why they're there. They chose that. So the first season of their life, what they made was, they made a choice going, we're not going to let go. And so what kept them away from God was their decision not to repent. But now we find themselves what? They're sitting at the feet of Jesus. We want God. We've recognized. We want to return. The problem is the religious people are shouting at us, calling and identifying us by our past. And by the way, religious people will do that. They will always do that. They'll always point out your worst season and your worst moment, and they will identify you by that. And so they're thinking in their own mind that, hey, God must be really mad at me. He's not gonna accept me. He's not gonna love me. What did the prodigal son say? I can't be your son anymore because of what I've done. I can only be your slave. Now listen to what it is, and I want you to see this, because we've gotta get to the point where we go, wow, I will see myself as God sees me, because some of what keeps us from God is that we still think we are that. And we think because of what we've done in those moments that God can't love us. And the last thing on our mind is when we come to God, we get a party. Notice how Jesus deals with these things. So he got up and went to his father. While he's a long way off, right? His father saw him and was filled with compassion. By the way, had had he fixed his life yet? This guy left a pig pit covered in dirt, stunk and smell, was broke probably and bonded to some sort of addiction was as broken as he could be in the world. And his father saw him and was filled with love for him, not judgment. And he ran to his son, he threw his arms around him, he kissed him, he showed us he wasn't embarrassed by him. And he couldn't hold in the affection and he showed him that affection. The son said to his father, I have sinned against heaven and against you and I am no longer ready to call your son. See the wrong idea, he couldn't accept his dad's grace, could he? Jesus could read their minds. And he goes, I know why you're staying here. There was a season it was your sin. It's no longer that season. Now you want to come home. And the reason you don't come home is because you can't believe the fact that God could love you. And then I love what Jesus says next. But the father said to his servants, he wasn't even listening. Quick, bring the best robe. What would a robe do? Would a robe cover his sin? The, The dirt and the shame? Put this fresh white robe on him. And put it on him, put a ring on his finger. What was a ring? A symbol of he would be back to his family. He was not a slave, he was accepted as a child. Put a ring on his finger to stand on his feet, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. So here's my heart. I, I would love for all of you to never make a bad decision in your life. <laughs> I don't want you to drift and look back, man, And where was God? Oh my gosh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I shouldn't have watched. Like I wish everyone was going, that's their life and we get it perfect all the time. But that's not gonna happen. So here's the question. What, what do we need to do to make sure that those seasons, because sometimes they can be seasons we drift or decisions, sometimes there can be moments. How do we make sure that, that they don't define us to determine our destiny? And, and the reality is we need to get in the habit of, well, God, I messed up, I'm gonna repent, which what does that mean? It doesn't mean I'm sorry. It means I'm gonna surrender this to you. And if I pick it up again, I'm gonna just keep surrendering and surrendering until one day, no longer is that thing a bondage in my life because I'm gonna choose my relationship with you, God, over any sin that I might hold on to. That's my heart for you. Because when you mess up seven times or 70 times seven or whatever the number might be, but you just keep going, listen, what happens is eventually you end up where God has called you. And here's the second thing that I hope for you. I hope you can accept God's grace. Like this was the moment that transformed my life. Is in my room at 22 years old when I re- thought of this story in my head and I kept seeing this vision, this picture, if you will, of this father hugging and embracing and crying and celebrating this broken man. For the first time in my life, it wasn't a story in the Bible. It was like, God, you think that about me? Like, I don't think my, about myself like that. Like, I've done so many things. I don't have any excuse. I grew up with an amazing parents, an amazing home. I had everything on a silver powder handed to me. And I still chose bad. God, how could you? And it was the accepting of God's grace, listen to this, that led me, it's the kindness of God leads to repentance, the Bible says, led me to go, okay, God, listen, whatever I chose over you in the past, I'm gonna let it go and I'm gonna run after you. And can I tell you something? And God, transformed my life. It transformed my, it wasn't overnight. I tripped and fell a lot more than seven times. Don't take, tune that out, boys. But, uh, right? But I kept getting up, getting up. And one day, guess what happened? God's presence, his kingdom began to move inside of me and his joy and his love and his peace and his patience. And the future I was headed to of just relational dysfunction and all of these issues in my life began to shift. And God redirected my future. He redirected my life. He redirected my identity. He redirected my heart. Why? Because I chose to repent of my sin. And I chose to accept God's grace that I was no longer who that person was anymore. And that God loved me with that affection. And God, if you've loved me like that, I wanna keep running to you every time I mess up. And I've messed up many times, but every time I fail, I always run back to my father. Because I understand the only thing that separates me from the kingdom of God within me is not my past sin. It's my choice to release it and return to God and accept His grace. And no matter who you are, whether you're a boy and you're watching on a computer screen or a living room right now, can I just tell you something? That story is not about a prodigal son. That story is about how God feels about you. And one of the greatest things I could ever tell you is the only thing keeping you from your new destiny, your new identity, it's not your past sin, it's your willingness to go. I messed up. I was wrong. God, I'm going to repent. I'm going to release. I'm going to run to you broken in a mess or whatever it might be. I'm going to accept your grace and let you do what you've called to do. Because we have an advocate, an atoning sacrifice. And his name is Jesus. And right now across our auditoriums, I everyone want to kind of stay seated because what I want to do is I want to give people an opportunity to place their faith in this Jesus. Because only through that faith, by the way, that's the beginning of repentance, is trusting him for our salvation so we can become adopted and children of God. And across all our auditoriums, let's just pray for people that right now, like that prodigal, are separated from God because they've never placed their faith in Jesus. Let's pray. dearly Father, I thank you so much for this. I thank you so much for not just this story, but the reality. Jesus, you would make your way to a group of people that have chosen to walk away from you, that have chosen their sin over you, that have done things that are shameful, and you would run to them and tell them the story of redemption, to reach out your hand and tell them what awaits them, the party, the celebration, the affection, if they would simply return to you. God, I pray we get in the habit and we fail. That we' constantly in a state of repentance and returning and embracing and enjoying your grace. In Jesus name, we pray. Amen.